welcome to another edition of Free Exchange, the podcast of the Badger Institute. My name is Michael Jarr. I'm Vice President for Communications and Government Relations. And uh, I have with me here today my colleague, Matt Erdman. Uh, Matt is producing the show today. Matt, great to have you. Great to be here. Uh, it is pushing 70 degrees on November 1st in Wisconsin as we're having this discussion. So if that is uh, all that it took to, to keep Wisconsin healthy, we would be on a great path, but uh, there is more that it needs to be done. And so I think we're both excited to have, have that conversation on what that might look like going into the, the future today. We really, we really should have recorded this outside, um, found ourselves a patio or something. Um, Indeed. For those of you who are listening, Matt is our digital guru. So if you receive uh, emails, if you uh, visit our website, if you see us on social media, Matt is the mastermind behind all of that. So, Yes, um, and if you are not currently following us on social media, please do so. We are trying to do as much as we can to provide uh, an interesting look at the, the issues the state is facing on Facebook and, and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. And if you are not already receiving our weekly email with all of the, the good content that we're putting out on a, on a weekly basis, you can head on over to badgerinstitute.org and sign up for top picks uh, to get that email delivered to your inbox bright and early at 6 a.m. every Friday morning. Did you see how nicely I, I teed that up for you, Matt? It was great. Well, uh, I just was uh, reading a little bit on uh, healthcare uh, recently, uh, uh, an issue that's important to probably an awful lot of our listeners. And I read, read that according to uh, the latest numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in the past year, health insurance premiums have skyrocketed more than 24%, the highest record one-year increase. And that seems to me like... Uh, we're heading in the wrong direction, despite all the things that we've done to fix healthcare over the last several decades. But what do I know? Um, so we have with us somebody who actually does know. Uh, our guest today is Dan Sem. Dan is uh, the Vice Provost for Research and Innovation, as well as a Professor of Business and of Pharmaceutical Sciences at Concordia University uh, here in Wisconsin. Uh, he is also CEO of both Bridge to Cures, Inc. and uh, Retham Technologies. He's a co-founder and vice president for business development of Astringenex Therapeutics and serves as director of the uh, Remedium Exchange RX Think Tank. Dan is the author of Purple Solutions, a bipartisan roadmap to better healthcare in America. He has received a bachelor's degree in chemistry from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He has a PhD in biochemistry from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He has a JD from Marquette University, and if that weren't enough, he has an MBA from Marquette University. So, you know, you hear about the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Uh, these are the four degrees of Dan Sem. <laughs> so Dan, along with his colleague, Scott Niederjohn, is also the author of Common Sense Healthcare Reforms for Wisconsin, which is a report that appears in the Badger Institute's uh, newly released Mandate for Madison. The mandate is our policy blueprint for 2023 and beyond. Both uh, uh, Dan and Scott are visiting fellows of the Badger Institute. Dan, uh, welcome. Great to have you. You are so committed to this issue and to fixing healthcare that you are talking to us today from your vacation spot in Florida. <laughs> I am always happy to talk about healthcare. Thanks, Michael and Matt, for the invitation. So, Dan, it's great to have you. So. <laughs> 
We, we have an interesting dynamic here in the United States. I think in some ways we have one of the best healthcare systems and it's in some ways we have one of the worst <laughs> healthcare <laughs> systems. Um, how, how is that? Why, why, why in some regards do we have a, you know, a healthcare system that's an envy of the world and at the same time it's so completely dysfunctional and unmanageable? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the quality of our healthcare and, and uh, the innovation, I mean, America is, is really a leader in innovation in all aspects, including healthcare. It's just the way we deliver healthcare is is dysfunctional. I, I think uh, Steve Clasco, former CEO of, of uh, Jefferson Hospital and Clinic, said we have sort of a, a Star Trek healthcare system and a, and a Fred Flintstone delivery system. And it's just... Uh, it's uh, it's neither, and I'm a free market guy, but it's neither got the benefits of something universal, like uh, universal healthcare, Medicare for all, which I don't think we want, but even that would be better than what we have. Or what I would say uh, is, is the benefits of a market-driven system. What we have is sort of an anti-competitive oligopoly of the medical industrial complex, which has anti-competitive practices. So basically, in, the way we get healthcare is is we put money into this thing that we call insurance, but we don't treat it like insurance. It's just a, a system that delivers our healthcare for us in a very controlled way. So, so we get whatever is reimbursed, and the prices for what is reimbursed is sort of negotiated without the consumer in mind. The consumer being the the payer, like your employer, or you, the patient. So there's a a negotiation that is not transparent at all between the insurance company and the provider, uh, and they're sort of adversarial with each other, but the elevated price just leads to elevated insurance costs and, and absolutely no transparency. And that has led to a, a lot of uh, legislation to actually uh, force price transparency, which, you know, if you think in terms of free markets, you generally are not looking for government to step in and help. But but when you have anti-competitive practices, you need that. So I, I guess this is something we could unpack over a longer discussion. I don't want to sort of bombard you all at once, but essentially we don't have anything like a market in healthcare, nothing that controls prices, nothing that empowers consumers. And it's just led to out of control prices. It's right now, you know, our healthcare is 19.7% of GDP. So 20 cents on every dollar you spend goes to healthcare, which is more than any other developed country in the world. I would argue just because of this dysfunctional delivery system that we have, even though the healthcare itself is good. So Dan, that's a that's a an excellent point. I we don't treat health insurance like we treat other forms of insurance. So I, I have homeowners insurance. I buy and change my own light bulbs. I buy salt for my water softener. I put filters in the furnace. I, I you know purchase my own window treatments. Uh, if I want upgrades like a new countertop or a touchscreen refrigerator, hardwood floors or patio furniture, I purchase those things. I have no expectation that my insurance company should do that for me. Uh, if my garage door gets stuck or my furnace conks out, um, those repair costs are normally covered by me. But I, uh, we had a, a hailstorm in Oconomowoc a few months ago, pretty significant hailstorm that damaged our roof and uh, I did contact my insurance company and they provided full replacement for our roof. This was would have been, you know, a pretty significant cost. This is a, a catastrophic incident 
And in my mind, that's how insurance works. I pay for the routine oil and spark plugs and maintenance of my car. And then if I get in a collision, that's when insurance steps in. Why do we have such a different approach to healthcare? Yeah, and you described it well. And um, David Goldhill wrote a book called Catastrophic Care that sort of encapsulates this problem in America, which is that uh, we don't use healthcare insurance like insurance. We, we use it as sort of subsidized healthcare where we empower other people. You know, in your analogy that you just used, imagine if you put your insurance company in charge of taking care of your house. So in other words, you would need their permission to change your windows or your water heater. And then when they do, they would have vendors that they require you to use. You have zero say in, in which vendor you get your water heater from. And who's to say they haven't negotiated actually a, a price across the board because of their buying power to sort of be a mutually beneficial sort of collusion, which is what hospitals do. So they have this secret pricing called charge master. So so the system that we have came to be, uh, you know, after World War II, uh, as a, as a way to provide uh, benefits to employees because there was uh, limits on on uh, salaries and benefits that could be provided. So it was out of a result of World War II, and it's been ever since. And the only other country that links health care to employment and therefore insurance is Japan in terms of the developed world. So. So it's it's a historical artifact, but we've been sort of sucked into it, and it's hard to break away from it. Um, you know, I'm an advocate of of getting your health care without using insurance through something called direct primary care, and that provides much better price controls and competition, and then just using insurance for rare things that happen infrequently in your life, um, maybe three or four times, even something as expensive as is having a baby, you know, the hospital visit for that, or a simple surgery that could cost ten dollars or $20,000. If you look at how much you pay or your company pay, pays for your insurance per year, a twenty dollars or $30,000 expense every 15 years is nothing. So, so if you were to put that money into an HSA instead of insurance policies, you would probably get much more healthcare through direct primary care without using insurance than with insurance. And and just use healthcare insurance like you use homeowners and car insurance. When when your car is totaled and you need to spend $10,000 or your home has severe hail damage and you need to replace the whole roof and some structural repairs, use the insurance for that. But don't use insurance for, for more routine things. Even surgeries, you know, uh, uh, Oklahoma Surgery Center, if you go to their website, they have 30 or 40 surgeries listed with the price. So you can see hip replacement surgery, $30,000, uh, MRIs, uh, also at, at for imaging centers as well. So if you actually had price transparency and the ability to shop, you would find much, much better pricing and competition in markets. Uh, this this over-reliance on insurance is, is really dysfunctional and problematic. Folks, I'm interrupting real quick to remind you that productions like these are only able to exist with support from individuals just like you. If you find value in this program, we're hoping you may want to give just a little bit of value back. The Badger Institute is a nonprofit organization that strives to create opportunity and protect liberty for all Wisconsinites. We do not accept government funding and rely solely on the generosity of individuals like yourself to support our policy and advocacy work. To learn more or make a donation, 
visit badgerinstitute.org. Dan, you've written on direct primary care. Yes, you've testified before the legislature on this idea. Walk us through that. What what is DPC? What does that look like? So I'll start very simply saying it is not insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The legislation that we're looking to have passed would state simply that DPC is not insurance. So I think there's this misconception uh, in America that health care is synonymous with insurance. Mm-hmm. You can get very good health care without insurance using what's called direct primary care, which is to say that you have a, a direct relationship with an independent physician or physician group and either pay them per visit or you could pay for a, typically a membership. This is not concierge medicine. It's simpler, similar to concierge, but it's affordable. It tends to be anywhere from $50 to $150 per month. And for that, you have essentially 24-7 access to a physician, a doctor, and and you could text your doctor at 11 o'clock at night and say, I'm having a a pain in my gut. I'm wondering what's wrong. And you'll get a response. And so she may say, well, come in tomorrow at 10. I'll have a look at you. And typically you get a response and, you know, an in-person visit within a week, probably a response within an hour or two. You know, compare that to one emergency room visit, which is one or two thousand dollars. One emergency room visit is less than a year membership in a direct primary care mm-hmm. clinic. And almost everything you go to the emergency room for, if you could actually talk to your doctor at 11 o'clock at night, could probably be resolved. So so this now DPC would handle almost anything you're going to encounter, even the DPC clinics, which are direct pay without using insurance. We'll find you uh, imaging like MRIs at affordable costs of say $300, lab tests. So it's not unusual. I've heard many stories of a lab test that would have cost $300, but if you sort of do a direct pay, it's $20. So, so the the idea that you need insurance for everything is, is a huge misconception because the prices that are charged to insurance are typically artificially inflated to cover the large overhead of hospitals and, and, and so on. So so yeah, that's DPC is basically direct pay without using insurance to a physician and then all the resources that the physicians are connected to, which include access to affordable pharmaceuticals and lab tests and imaging and things like that. And even if you need surgery, you may say, well, I, I should not use direct primary care for, for that. I should probably use my insurance. Well, I would argue that in some cases, maybe you should you should use that. And if you look at in the case of an employer, who actually has to pay your insurance premium and the co-pays, you know, you may use your Blue Cross Blue Shield or United Healthcare to get the uh, the, the the hip surgery for forty thousand dollars, but then if you use the surgery center, it's actually twenty five thousand dollars. So what the employer would do in cases like that is they'll they'll actually say, look, you can use the Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever and pay the five thousand dollar copay or use the provider that we're giving you, we'll put you up in a five-star hotel in Oklahoma City and you pay nothing, it's free instead of $5,000. And why do they do that? It's better care and it saves your employer who's paying the hospital bill through the insurance a lot of money. So that is, I believe what's coming, You know, I, I hope. And DPC is increasing at over 30% per year. There's 1700 DPC clinics across the US and five years ago it was 250. And, even Amazon uh, recently bought One Health for three three and a half billion dollars. Was it? I forget. But and now you're seeing uh, Walgreens and CVS having on-site clinics where you have direct pay. 
So there's a bit of a revolution happening in America, which I'm excited about, which sort of bypasses insurance and introduces healthcare markets where you pay directly. And then you can layer insurance on top of that if you want. So here in Wisconsin, direct primary care is already happening. There are doctors and, and patients who are in these relationships. Quite a few, yeah. Even the president of the Wisconsin Medical Society, Wendy Malaska, is one of the hugest advocates of direct primary care, and she runs a clinic out of uh, Fitchburg near Madison. We have Firefly here in Milwaukee and, and Monarch and, and others as well. So these are sometimes small physician groups, one or two physicians uh, that can handle quite a few patients, several hundred patients, maybe even 800 or so, whereas the average physician in, in the medical system with the big providers usually handles about 2,000 patients a year. So you end up spending a lot more time with a DPC doc than you do with a, a traditional doctor in, in, the, in the system where you are lucky if you have 15 minutes with them, whereas you know it would be not unusual to spend a half hour, an hour talking to your DPC doctor. And we've heard from doctors who have said that this has transformed their love for medicine, that they were getting burned out and uh, and now they're excited by being able to have the renewal of that normal physician-patient relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the suicide rate for physicians is, is through the rough, one of the highest of any professions, because I think they went into the profession to help people and they end up being on this treadmill that, that they're unhappy with. And Dr. Wendy Malaska, who I just mentioned, you know, she said she was just at burnout. She was ready to switch careers. Uh, she, wanted, she said to be a truck driver, which I chuckled at because I, I, I think I often think I wouldn't mind doing that, that uh, it's hard work, I'm sure. But, but the point is, is that the profession she loved, she was going to give up on because it wasn't giving her the rewards that she wanted in life in terms of the quality time with patients and helping patients. It was a it was a dysfunctional system that uh, wasn't working and, and now she loves it. So she spends time with her patients. You should hear her speak. When she speaks, she glows. She's so happy about uh, her profession now. Um, I think this is just a positive thing uh, for, for physicians as well. So. so Dan, if we already have direct primary care taking place here in Wisconsin, why do we need legislation? So, um, and at some level, I don't know that government is the solution uh, to healthcare, but, you know, I, I think government can can get in the way. I forget what the, the famous quote is from Ronald Reagan is, is uh, the, the thing you don't want to hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. <laughs> um, so uh, what you need is uh, keep in mind that there are powerful anti-competitive market forces at play that don't want this revolution because if it happens, they will lose money. You know, other entrepreneurs, of course, will, will make money. It'll just be a shifting of jobs. So, so the reason is there are a lot of forces in government and, and from other industry players that would like to categorize direct primary care as a kind of insurance. And if it is categorized as a kind of insurance, then it won't be something that can be paid for from an HSA. Actually, it can't be paid for from an HSA right now. But furthermore, it could fall under a whole host of regulations from the insurance industry, uh, which you know has a, a financial interest in preventing the growth of DPC. So having said that, the big providers of insurance uh, may have financial reasons to be opposed to this, uh, but there are smaller brokers that work with smaller companies and individuals that would actually create insurance policies that wrap around direct primary care. 
So imagine in your analogy of, of your home insurance, if you had an insurance company that had 100% control over everything you did in your home, and now there was this movement to empowering homeowners to make their own decisions and buy you know, more tailored insurance, it's probably less money for that insurance company now. But I'm a capitalist at heart. I think the market will pivot to, to the new set of rules. And when you have anti-competitive forces in, at play that are taking advantage of government regulations, you know, of course they want to maximize profits. Maximizing profits is a fine thing. They're just using government regulations to make this happen, which is something economists call rent-seeking. It's basically crony capitalism, taking advantage of connections to government and regulation so you can make more money. So not, not that they're having evil intent in their mind when they're doing that, but that's why hospitals and organizations have lobby groups. <laughs> it's, it's the incentives that we've created. Special thanks to Dan Sem joining us for part one of an important conversation on common sense healthcare reforms for the state of Wisconsin. And thank you for having the work we do at the Badger Institute as part of your week. Join us next week for part two of Michael's Healthcare Chat with Dan Sem. For the Badger Institute, I'm Matt Erdman, and thank you for sharing, subscribing, and listening to the Free Exchange Podcast. <laughs>